Hey, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for the 24th of April, 2019. It is I, yes. I am back after a quite a long break. Um, I will say it was it was, it was, it was quite a long break. Um, I had a lot of stuff going on. Um, very personal stuff that I don't want to really dis- disclose on this podcast, but... Um, Let's just say, you know, it wasn't in a good place. Some things happened, and we had to deal with those things. But um, I'm back, and I'm back with a very special episode because March is gone. I believe the last time I spoke to you guys was um, uh, 17th of March, I think, around there, maybe maybe 10th. But March has gone. March has well officially gone is... I've seen a lot of movies during March, so this episode is a everything I watched in March. And um, I won't be talking about too many movies in too much detail, because I know that I, I know it's going to go on for quite a while if I talk about all of them. But because I know on this uh, particular list, I've talked about one in extensive detail, and you can go listen to that if you want to. But there, there's, there's a few in here that I'm probably going to... Um, there's, I say there's one on here um, that I do want to talk about talk about in very much more detail uh, later on in the year. So I'll leave more thoughts to that, I think. But, um, yeah, I've um, I've been doing some shit. I've been going through some shit. Um, just had some uh, personal issues going on, uh, and we, you know, we, we dealt with that. Some, some things happened, and... Um, Go through that. Uh, don't have it's. We don't really know how it's going to end up, but um, hopefully it's going to end well. Um, but again, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it, so because it involves more people than myself, and I just don't feel it's appropriate to um, talk about it right now. But I am making a. Um, I'm making a big change in my life. Um. As uh, people, as you guys, the listeners have been um, have known that I graduated film school uh, last year, and uh, I had to run out of money, so I had to move back into my parents' place in Newcastle. So I've been living there since uh, uh, I'd say July, July slash August around like around there. I think it was I mean no, I think it was straight in July. I think I moved back. I had to go back. Uh, close to August, I think. Anyway, that doesn't really matter. But uh, the fact is, I've been living here um, since then. But hopefully, going to make a change and uh, moving in with my mate's place in um, over to another suburb. And uh, with, an- with another good friend of mine, uh, you guys might know, a friend of the show, Jacob Richards. Uh, we talked to him about glass, and uh, so I've been, uh, it looks like I'm moving in with him and a good friend of mine, Josh. And uh, so, uh, lately, I've been trying to just prepare for that and, um, you know, um, get ready, put some things together, move some stuff around, throw some shit out, and, uh, you know, get ready for that that, that move. We're hopefully going to do that within the next two weeks. So, we're really excited about that. And, um, 
So there'll be, I don't, I don't know what the sound's going to be like when we get there, but we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm also looking at changing mics as well. I'm thinking I'm going to give the green one a good, a good farewell. I've had this green and yellow one ever since I turned 21. And um, it's, I think it's time to give it its old, uh, the old farewell. So, because uh, I got the one in Christmas that's waiting for me there. I just need to fix that up, make sure the sound's good on that one and move to that, especially with an arm and getting a second one, hopefully looking for a second um to have more guests on as well. And yeah, so I've just been moving stuff around the garage. I had a very productive day yesterday. I had to, um, I had to get, I had to move my boxes around in the garage and, um, I cleaned up this laptop, this, this, uh, fucking, this HP pavilion here, this, um, this new laptop I got last August. Uh, yeah, it's just been building a lot of files and I just had, to, I finally gave it a bit of a, um, a purge, purged all the files and put them on hard drives, organized shit around. It took me five and a half hours and, um, that was crazy. Didn't do anything except listen to music and do that for about five and a half hours and then, Moved stuff around the shed, and that took about two hours to do that. And I got to tell you, I went, I went to, um, I'm, I'm throwing out this fucking wardrobe. I, I found this wardrobe, and um, I don't know if I was going to move that into the new place because it's quite old, and I was like, it kind of fit the aesthetic of the old place in Sydney because that place was a fucking dump. But this, this, uh, this new place is kind. Of, it's still kind of like a house, but it, like the rooms are just much nicer. And I'm like, I don't really, really want to bring this fucking old, <laughs> beaten up ward, this kind of nightstand wardrobe into that room. So, <laughs> I was, uh, especially, especially when I went to go clean this fucking thing out, because when I opened this thing up, guys, when I opened this thing up, cockroaches fucking everywhere cockroach shit all over my things uh that were inside the wardrobe luckily i had i threw all of those things out um because i didn't really need them anymore hadn't hadn't used them for about six to eight months so didn't really see much use in them uh saved a few things from the from the um so the few things from the from the um the top the bottom drawers because um some of them had my folders from my last year's uh, projects and everything like that, but, um, oh, guys, I'll tell you what, when I fucking opened this thing, I could not get over the smell, I couldn't get over it, it, fuck, hit me like a brick wall, the, the shit that these motherfuckers had dropped in, in my, um, wardrobe, and then how many just come running out, when I opened the third drawer, when I opened the third drawer, and realized that there were inside this broken CD racks that were inside the second, the third drawer. By the way, don't even know what the fuck the broken CD racks are in there for, but they're in there. That's the point. Um, the point I'm trying to make is they were fucking in there, and um, I believe they were from something I was trying to build, but I didn't really do that, so I put them back. And as soon as I opened these fucking things up, they come flooding out. I was expecting, like, a big old queen. And they didn't... They were just fucking coming out of everywhere. And I was like, Jesus, fuck. They're coming everywhere. They, they're coming out of the drawers. They're, coming, they're flying out of the fucking second drawer, the first drawer. First of all, we have to deal with about six in the first drawer. And then in the second drawer, all over these CDs and everything. Luckily, the CDs had broken. And I do have that music now on Spotify I can listen to. So I don't really need those physical... It's nice to have those physical CDs, but these ones are really and truly broken, so I couldn't really either keep these or sell them. So they had to go in the trash, unfortunately. But again, I do have those songs on um, on Spotify now, which is which I would what I largely use anyway. And I don't have money to go out and buy a fucking record player, so 
I don't fuck with that shit. And I might, I might you know, I might later on, but I just don't, I, I don't have anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much. Your boy doesn't have a job. He's trying to find a job, but that's what I'm trying to do. We're trying to find a job so I can move into this new place and, um, and we can, we can all evenly split this rent really nicely and it's going to really work out, I think, for all of us when we get into this new place. Very, very excited for that. Um, but man, these, these cockroaches, holy shit. They were, they were just everywhere. I had, to, I had to put on, had no breathing masks in the garage. They didn't have any breathing masks, so I had to get a fucking bandana, put it over my face. And it was like I was going through like, like, a, like a quarantine zone because there was these cockroaches and then it, like it's the smell of their shit as well that you got to deal with. So then you can't really breathe in because then you just breathe in the shit. And then tell you what, that's not a fucking good time. So don't do that. And then once you're done with that, you got to get the spray and get them all out. And once you get the spray in, more fucking come out. And they're in between. They're in between the drawers. They're actually in between the drawers. They're coming out from the slits, from the edges, from the fucking corners. All the vertices, if you're a mathematician. But, um... They're, they're everywhere, dude. And they were insane. But, we got over them. I got rid of them. There's no fucking we there, it's just me. Got rid of them. Fucking chucked that drawer. That's going straight to the dump. I tell you what, the amount of things I chucked out that I realized I didn't really need anymore. There was so much fucking things. Uh, a lot of clothes I don't need to wear anymore, so I'm going to chuck those over to Vinny's. Uh, and, make sh and um, you know, for people that actually, you know, need those clothes. So, I'm taking those over to the bin tomorrow. The old Vinnie shoot in uh, Shortland. And, um, hopefully people that, well, you know, that need to wear, need those clothes and could buy those clothes at uh, different op shops will have them because uh, they, some of them don't even fit me anymore. Uh, there are heaps of ones that I had to throw away that were, I had, you know, I bought and they were kind of special to me when one of them was my entertainment crew shirt when I was, um, doing my vet entertainment, um, course and I got my certificate three. I had that shirt and that still fit me kind of, but then it, yeah, I just didn't, I was just like, no, it's not going to fit me in a few years anyway. So got rid of that. And then when I went to see the tap dogs when I was younger, you know, the tap dogs were this, there's this really awesome tap troupe. That um yeah tap dancing yeah it's pretty fucking dope when it's when it's like you know done when it's done in such a professional way and the shows were so entertaining um yeah it, it's really really cool really really cool I remember seeing that when I was oh man when I was I was probably eleven when I saw that or ten or eleven when I saw those guys um I saw the tap dogs and then I went to, I think I visited a tap pups workshop. I believe, and I wasn't even a tap dancer. I didn't even like I didn't even like tap dancing, but uh, it was really really cool to see it. Especially the show they put on the Tap Dog show that was really really cool. And then the shirt, Mum bought me a shirt that was uh, kind of their tour shirt, and that's it's um it was in there. But again, it didn't fit me anymore, so I had to get rid of that. So hopefully someone finds that and just know that those guys are pretty fucking phenomenal. So yes, a lot of shit went out. It felt like um, it felt like that movie Everything Must Go with Will Ferrell. There was just so much stuff that had to be thrown away 
that, um, like I'm not a hoarder or anything like that, but I was just kind of connected to some of these items. I was just, I was just like, oh, but what if I need this later? You got to really like let go of that mentality when you're when you're trying to get rid of everything, of course. Because if he keeps doing that, that's when you do become a hoarder, and that's when you do be like, well, what if that? What if I need that? What if I this, this, this? You just fucking let go of that shit because you're not going to need those items. Trust me, you're not going to need those items, and you're going to feel much better with a much more, you know, cleaner space. Um, you know, a lot more air to breathe. And, um, I felt much better throwing all that stuff away. I've only got a little bit of stuff to move into, uh, my mate's place. And, um, fit in that side of that room, thank God. Uh, but now I'm going to need to go upstairs now to the bedroom and clean all that stuff out. Um, and that won't take very long because it's just clothes to sort out. So I just got to put them into the drawers and everything like that, get that ready. Put those into the green bags and stuff. And it's just the DVDs that I have. Uh, lots of DVDs and the PlayStation as well to put that away. Yeah. Um, just that, that stuff. And even when I forget anything, it's just it's only 20 minutes away so I can come back and get some more stuff. Uh, definitely the bed that needs to be reconstructed. And I told myself the, the next time that I move, I'm not going to... Um, the next time that I move, I'm, I'm not going to use... Um, I don't want to lug that fucking use. I don't want to lug that mattress up stairs again because that is a motherfucker to put up there. Holy shit. That thing is... Oh, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> so I told myself when I move this time, I'm not going to move back to, you know, the parents' place. I'm not going to move back to the family home because I want to make sure that I've, you know, I've, I've you know, got this, uh, the job that I hopefully... We'll be getting hopefully. I, mean, I really want to find something at the end of this week. But I've applied a lot of places. I've you know put myself in there. Um. Yeah, hopefully, you know that keeps me stable, so I don't have to. You know, I'm not running out of money. Then I don't have to do that. Go back because we're actually aiming to move to Sydney after this. But I don't know how. We'll, we'll work out those plans when we get to them. But at the moment, it's just all about us trying to get into that house at the moment. So it, it was a productive day yesterday on Easter Monday. Um, had a great, had a pretty good Easter actually. Uh, had a really nice, good Friday brekkie with the cousins. Um, orange juice is pretty good. It's pretty great. I haven't had that in a while. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't, but I just haven't. Um, and yeah, I just um, it's beautiful sausages, um, eggs. And, um, I know you're not supposed to eat fish, but we don't really, you know, fuck, we don't really follow, I follow that, so. And I know it's, it's kind of ironic saying that it's like, oh, you know, we're celebrating with Friday, we're eating, um, brekkie. We're not really celebrating anything, really, it's just, uh, that we're, um, you know, because nothing's really open. So, we, we just need one of the lunch to do, no one's working, so it's a nice get family get-together, it's always a good opportunity. And then, um... And then I uh, went over to mate's place on Saturday, celebrated 420. And that was really cool. Really good night. Um, just got on and, and uh, watched... What did we watch? Played a few games. Watched, the, watched that new Bear Grill show on Netflix where you actually choose what he does and we killed him a few times. Um, felt fun. At the, that feels pretty funny because we're all like, off our chops. But uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> that was... That was fun. Sorry, Bear. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was fun because we had like we we're just like going through the motions, and then he would just be like, "Oh, and I've got hypothermia," and because I, <laughs> I think it was an option that was like. Uh, crawl across the ice or would you um, try and walk slowly or something like that and I think it was walk slowly and then he dr- <laughs> falls in the water I think and we're like oh shit and he gets on land and the chopper comes every time it's here chopper coming over and it's like oh fuck we killed bear um, and so if you if you get the opportunity to kill bear uh, it's pretty funny so do it um, he just says something like oh well there's nowhere to go so we go to a boat mission and then the helicopter comes and you're like, ah, oh, we killed him. And you can try again or you can go to the next level because after the while when you, when you, um, after a while when you, um, uh, fucking, if you keep doing it, that's when it just goes, oh, next episode because you suck. <laughs> go next episode. But, you know, you want to see the conclusion of these things. Then it's not really that, uh, crazy or anything like that. You just, um. You know, it's kind of a basic storyline. It's very scripted. You can tell it's so scripted, um, but it, you know, it has to be because, like, it's it's your experience. It's that it's that show. He's trying to make it a, a fun experience. And look, it, it's pretty fun because he does some weird shit. I I knew for a second. You get into the third or fourth episode, I believe, and he just starts drinking his piss, and I was like, I knew that was fucking coming. Eating bear shit too in the Arctic. Man, of course that was coming. And then he just goes. He pisses on this fucking towel and puts it on his face. And I was like, I bet he loves this shit. Um, so that was, <laughs> all in all, that was a pretty good night. And then on Sunday was a bit of a rest day. And then Monday I went into that, um, you know, and had that old productive day. Um, and yeah, right now the, the, the aim and the goal is we're just trying to find me a job. Uh, we got our mates, he's already got a job. So he's looking to move in about next week, about, about around the 30th. Um, or perhaps the beginning of May, but um, I want to get in there as well because we all want to get in there. We're all looking forward to it. Oh, we're, we're getting really into this shit. Yeah. Very excited. Got to be housewarming plan as well. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Um, but that's where I've been. I've um, again, other with the personal shit, I can't really address. I've just been doing that. I've just been keeping busy. I've been watching a lot of movies. So don't even worry about me slipping there because I've seen a lot of films. Um, and I know I said on my Instagram post, uh, if you guys follow me on Instagram, uh, that's where you can find out like pretty much everything, all the updates, all the... I, did a, I, did, I didn't do a top five for March because I, I said I didn't warrant enough to watch. And that is true. I was Because I was going for that stuff in March, I didn't have enough to watch movies. But I'll guys tell you what... April, holy shit! I watched the movies in April, <laughs> but we'll, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to the must-watch April. Um, we'll get to the must-watch April uh, soon, so don't worry about that. Don't worry, don't even worry. Uh, we'll get, we'll possibly get to that either next week or the um, week after. But I, because um, I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing Endgame tomorrow as well, and uh, boy, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. But we'll do that, do that later. I want to get into what we, you know, what this is all about. This is the everything I watched in March. This is the the March must watch, if you will. Um, and I've got about six films here and two TV shows I want to talk about. Um, I'll start with the. I'll start with the. Um, I'll start with the films. Um, now, the sixth film I want to talk about is. Um, it's called the Unicorn. 
it is, um, and again, I've, I've done the mistake. Look, this wouldn't be the case of the Miz podcast. This wouldn't be the podcast if I didn't have the movie ready on IMDb to fucking talk about its details and do all that shit. Because, you know, this is what happens when you instill too much confidence in yourself. You forget everything. Um... I'm I'm going to give brief details on all these because it's it's quite not, kind of late at the moment and I want to actually watch. I was looking to watch either Winter Soldier or Guardian, so I just wanted to watch a Marvel film before I watch Endgame tomorrow. And I'm probably going to watch um, Infinity War again tomorrow as well. But I wanted to watch one of my favorite Marvel films, I think, tonight before I watch Infinity War. And my top in my top five are um, Guardians and. In, uh, uh, Captain America Guardians being my actually favourite MCU film and Captain America Winter Soldier probably being two, two or three I think uh, but Unicorn is directed by Robert Schwartzman it's um, starring Lauren Lapkus Nick Rutherford and Lucy Hale um, also uh, my favourite character Beck Bennett he my, my character, favourite character in the film was played by Beck Bennett he plays uh, Tyson Look, it's um, it was funny. Some parts were funny, but I, I don't know. I just didn't really care. I guess, um, you know, I, I thought there was gonna be kind of like them looking for a person to have a threesome with, and then oh, Lucy Hale's character is just, uh, she like she she could be weird at first, but then she just becomes this just, um. Insufferable character. I just really didn't like her character. Um, didn't even like her on screen. She wasn't even like a love, love to hate. She was just fucking annoying, and I hated. I just fucking didn't like her scenes. It's it, there's some weird editing and transition in this movie. It's I don't know why it's there, but there's a really weird shot. This specifically, there's this really weird shot where Lauren Lapkus's character and Nick Rutherford's characters, Mallory and Caleb, um, they're coming down the stairs. Um, by the way, the movie is about them trying to find a person to have a threesome with. They call that the unicorn to spice up their engagement because they have been uh, they have they've had a stale engagement. So there's the plot for you. I always forget the plot. There's the plot of the movie. So they come into the stairs. I, be- I believe they've just left uh, Lucy Hale's character's place. I believe her name is Jia Jesse. Yep, um, leaving her place and. It's such a fucking weird cut slash transition because it's so out of place and so jarring that it's so noticeable and you I audibly was like, what the fuck was that? Because it's just so jarring. And it's not even jarring to put you kind of put you off center and, and unsettle you like um, provocateurs and um, uh, some directors will do. It's just shit. Like, I was just like, what the fuck was that for? It felt like a fucking after, um, Windows Movie Maker effect. Uh, they're coming down the stairs, they're talking, and then it transitions from that shot to them sh- uh, a mid-shot of them in a, in a um, taxi. And the screen just goes white. The screen just like fades into white and then fades back into um, a mid-shot of them in a taxi. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I literally, as out, out loud... I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I was like, why was that there? Was that necessary? Um, and then, you know, it's again, it has its moments. And I don't know, I just... 
I feel like I just lost focus. Like, I, I, it was just like, it's, they're trying to find a person to have a threesome with. I wanted to see the threesome. I just wanted, I think I had just had more. I just didn't, I just didn't care. <laughs> I just didn't care. And I wanted to care. I, I really like Lauren Lapkus. I think she's hilarious. Um, Nick Rutherford's a bit of a newcomer. I saw him in Bloodfest earlier this year. He's a bit of a newcomer. Lucy Hale, like, I'm, I'm okay with. Uh, but my favorite character in this movie is Tyson, played by um, Beck Bennett. He's just a very odd character, and I liked watching him on screen. I also like love to see um, uh, Kyle Mooney in there as well. He was um, from um, Brigsby Bear and SNL. He was cool. Funny to see him. But yeah, I just didn't... I don't know. Wasn't really a fan of it. I thought it was a meh comedy. But because um, I was I was excited for it when she when they announced it, and uh, when they pretty much because I'm writing a movie maybe just called Unicorn. I've named that's my feature. I'm calling it just Unicorn. So I wanted to see the Unicorn and see where that compares. Uh, but there's not really much comparison because it's complete two two different two very different plots. Um, so you can't really obviously compare them, even though they're the same title. Um, but I just didn't really. I just thought it was. I thought the jokes didn't the jokes didn't land um, as much, and I just yeah I just had didn't have any interest at all. Lost it lost a lot of interest by the end, and I was just like oh well that's over, and it felt long. It just felt long, even though the movie is only um, fucking eighty eight minutes long. But there you go, that's the unicorn. Uh, number five is Holmes and Watson. Finally watched that, the one that got the Razzie. Uh, from last year. Uh, look, it's... I wouldn't say it's, um... as bad as everyone's saying it is. It's very, very stupid and very, very ridiculous. It, it honestly reminded me of the humour that was in Anchorman 2. Um, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Um, because that movie was just like... Anchorman's humour is ridiculous, but Anchorman 2's humour just kicked that bitch out of the water because it's just so stupid. But also very entertaining. Like I will say, the scenes with the shark and everything. I just, I'm just not a fan of that. I just didn't. Um, um, him, him going blind, and then like, I know those those parts are very, very funny. But after a while, I just got old, and I was just, I was, it was just a really weird <laughs> left turn. And I was like, I was like, cool. I'm glad you took that, but like, I wasn't really a fan of it. Um, look, it's got, it's, it's had some funny moments. Again, Lauren Lapkus is in this one as well, and so is Rebecca Hall. Um, look, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are funny together, but they're funny, they're f- even funnier in well, more better written films, and um, th- they definitely work best on the Adam McKay adventures with um, Will Ferrell, the the, um, the, the Sanchez um, productions, I forget what the fucking company's called, but it, it's sad because they actually broke up the, um, the, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Sanchez or something like that. Oh, I said McFarrell and McKay. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Gary Sanchez, I think? I think it's Gary Sanchez. Um, yeah, there it is. Gary Sanchez. So yeah, they, they, they formed Gary Sanchez and um, Gary Sanchez did things, things like Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, uh, Anchorman. 
like that's that's their company and they work really well especially in Talladega Nights and um, Step Brothers that's when John C. Riley and Will Ferrell shine together because they have great humor and great scenes great chemistry they do have great chemistry in this film but unfortunately it's just the jokes that it's not funny they're not funny it's 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 also just a bit of a slog to get through even though it's a comedy and I just and I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes even 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 like to see him get parodied but I was just I don't know it was just shit <laughs> It was just a very run-of-the-mill comedy with very bad jokes. It's not as bad as everyone's saying it is. It's not like this fucking... It's not like the, one of the worst movies of all time, but it's it's hard to get through, man. It's it's not as funny as, you, as everyone... Um, as I, would, I was thought it was going to be in terms of stupid humor. And I'm a big fan of... It turns out I'm a huge fan of really stupid humor. And um, this has a lot of it, but I just wasn't on board with the humor in this movie. So... Yeah, wasn't really a big fan of this one. Um, would love to see what Will Ferrell and John C. Rowley do next, but Holmes and Watson did not do it for me. Just goes to show that even those two are together, what matters is the connection between them. Adam McKay is the um, glue that holds those guys together and, and makes puts them in really funny films. Um, right, we got those out of the way. So on the number three is... Uh, sorry, number four, sorry. Number four is uh, Captain Marvel. And uh, I've, talk- I've talked about Captain Marvel. I did a massive, long podcast about t- about Captain Marvel, so I won't be getting into Captain Marvel. You can go on, on you can go onto my uh, channel. You can listen to the Captain Marvel podcast. I talk about the MCU as well on that podcast and everything like that. Del- delve into a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. Like it's it's a very spoiler heavy podcast as well about Captain Marvel. So if you want to hear all of my thoughts on Captain Marvel, go and listen to that podcast. I don't want to talk about it again here because first of all. I've forgotten what I said. I thought it was a very middle-tier Marvel film. There's a quick overview of it. I thought Brie Larson was good. I didn't think she was wooden at all. I thought she was good. I loved Nick Fury. Um, Goose the Cat. Or I should say Goose the... Uh, we can get listen to the podcast here, that bit. But... Um, I thought it was a very middle-tier. It's, it's not one of the best, not one of the worst. Right in the middle for me, and but I do reckon it's good to watch before Endgame because there are some things. There are actually a lot of, kind of few things that tie into Endgame as well. So, um, if you want to get that, is it also a really cool um, uh, end credit scene that ties into Endgame as well? So you can go listen to that podcast. If you want to hear my thoughts about Captain Marvel? Uh, go over there and listen to that. Number three is uh, the guest from 2014. I watched. Yeah, I finally watched this movie. It's been on my, it's been on my list for a while. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to, um, I've seen a lot of reviews recently and then some people have recommended it again coming up, um, just recommending that film and I like Dan Stevens. I liked him in Apostle last year. Um, I'm starting to watch Legion and he's really good in that. And, uh, he was, this is one of his films that he was, um, doing. And now this is, I believe... Um, uh, what's his name? Adam Wingard, sorry. That's his name, that's his name. Adam Wingard. And this was... Because he... what he, I think he did... Did he, did he do Lights Out? Or was that... Was that Flying In? No, he did Your Next. Okay, sorry. I'm thinking of Flying In, I think. Um, the Guest uh, would be his... Oh, okay. So he did... I thought it was like... So he did Your Next, which I haven't seen, um, but I heard that was really good. 
But I wanted to watch it, The Guest, because I heard it's just a really good, really, really cool movie. And i got to say, it is a really fucking cool movie. Um, Dan Stevens is fantastic in it. Um, he is very... He's very creepy in this movie, but also very charming. Um, his character is very, very pretty complex like that. He plays a soldier who comes to this uh, this family called the Petersons and um, pretty much introduces himself as a person that knew uh, their son who has died in action. And uh, he just says that he like he knows him, he knew him, and, and um, yeah, that's the same thing, Cole. <laughs> You know, he uh, he knows him and he wants he can tell them stories about what happened and everything like that. And then they kind of let him stay for a while and then some things start going on and it starts to get a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> um, wow, this movie was awesome. Um, so glad I finally watched this. Um, it's a really, really cool thriller. It's a really good action film in the end. Um, but it's a really, really cool thriller that builds up to a really, very thrilling finale. Um, thriller, thrilling, <laughs> wordplay. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I'm a writer, honestly. Um, this is why I'm not a professional critic that you see in like the newspapers or anything like that. You know, I would go into like you know places like Dandy Cinemas in um, Newtown, and you see those um, reviews up on the wall and everything like that. This is why I'm not like over that and using all the big words like they do on fucking slash film and indie wire um but I, I gotta say it, it's it's Dan Stevens like it's got Dan Stevens uh, Michael Monroe uh it's got uh Brendan Meyer in it and um he's just he's just so fucking good He's so fucking good. Uh, he plays a guy named David, and he he's the soldier that says that he's the son, uh, that he knows the son. And um, Michael Romero is really good at too. I love the cinematography, uh, the 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 lighting as well at points is really really nice. But the big thing this movie has is its fucking killer soundtrack. Um, it's like it's it's like pulled from like eighties nostalgia, and given like kind of this. Uh, synth revival and it's really 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 cool um, I couldn't find the soundtrack to like listen to in full I believe you can just find it on YouTube and like listen to all the songs and everything like that but I wanted to get like an actual, actual original motion picture soundtrack and like get all the songs and everything like that but um, I couldn't find it I can only find like custom playlists on Spotify and I believe you can just find it on YouTube but it's, oh, it's really, really cool. Uh, one of the best songs in that soundtrack to me is one, the song that he plays in the car when he when he's talking to um, when he's talking to um, uh, Anna, I think. Yeah, Anna, uh, Michael Moreau's character, and he's talking to Anna about making a, a mixtape. And what's that song called? It's it's a really, really cool song. It's something about the hands of time or something like that. Um, uh, I'll just go. To the, uh, haunted when the minutes drag. Sorry, <laughs> not the hands of time. Uh, haunted when the minutes drag. It, it, oh, oh man, it was like it was like Drive and Hotline Miami, like the soundtrack. It was so fucking cool. Um, really, really, really cool stuff. And it's 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 kind of like if Drive had more action, but it's not like a guy that drives a car. It's just this ominous kind of protagonist kind of um that's 
that you know has has a lot of layers to it, and you, and you find out throughout the film all the secrets and what's been going on. And oh my god, I just I just can't recommend this. Um, I just I just cannot recommend this more. Uh, I watched it with my mum, and she loved it. Um, I I started watching some of it, and um, and then she watched the um, she she watched it as well. But then she had, she had to um, go to bed, and then she the next day we watched the rest of it. Even though I had seen the rest of it, I again watched the rest of it with it because I just didn't mind. I thought the movie is so fucking good. Um, and it just goes to show how good of a director Adam Wingard is. Um, now I haven't seen, again, I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen much of what Adam, Adam Wingard has to offer. I believe the last thing he did was the Blair Witch thing. Um, or the Death Note thing, I think. Um, but he's doing Godzilla vs. Kong, which is, you know, it doesn't really sound like anything like this, but it's, this kind of sounds like what he did with You're Next. So I'm actually going to watch You're Next, um, soon. And just see see how that like what you know what he kind of style is, but I got to say the guest the guest is it's a really really good film if you like Drive if you like um, just any kind of thriller where there's this kind of like a questionable protagonist, um, and you're kind of like you don't know whose side you want to get on and there's just so much intrigue, um, especially in with, with a um, in this kind of like small town where um, you know everyone kind of. I wouldn't say like everyone knows each other, but like you do kind of get connected to all of these little minor characters as well. Like let's say Anna's friend, and then you've got the the um the the, the teacher or the principal. Um, just just some really really good stuff, and the way that Dan Stevens plays this character of David, and and, and it kind of an, get, manipulates his way through and charms everyone, and oh man, it's just awesome to watch. He's so awesome to watch in this movie. And I love it, and the way all the way it's captured, all of the soundtrack that just uh, like just makes this film. It makes it. The soundtrack is the biggest star of this movie. Um, is one of the biggest stars of the movie. I'd say Dan Stevens is the best part of it, but the soundtrack is just phenomenal. And I've, and I listened to the soundtrack on repeat afterwards. And again, I watched this movie a while ago, but I wouldn't even hesitate to watch it again. Uh, the guest. That is why it's number three. Number two is. Uh, something I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Um, I've been following this director, Craig Zala, or Zayla, or however you ever say his name, um, for a while. I um, I watched him when he did Bone Tomahawk, and then he released Brawl and Cell Block 99. That was one of my favorite movies from 2016, I'm going to say, 2017? 2017. Um, one of my favorite movies from that, one of my mate's favorite movies as well. And... I was interested to see where it would go next, and then when I saw the trailer for Drive to Cost Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, mate, color me intrigued. <laughs> um, I was ready. It was. It kind of looked like a dark comedy, but like a very, very heavy crime film. And again, with his classic kind of trademark, it's going to be a very long movie, and um, it is at clocking in at about. Oh man, I'd say just under three hours. I'd say about 2049, I think. 2039. Um, just under three hours. Um, so I'm very used to watching a movie that's about 2045 minutes, about that. Um, Endgame's going to be three hours. So I'm, I'm not even worried about going to the tour tomorrow or anything like that because I'm, just, I'm just used to that now. But um, I was very, very excited for A Drag Across Concrete. And I finally got to catch that in March. 
and um, it's it's probably the best one he's done. Um, in my in my opinion, I think it's his best one. Um, there's just so much here, and there's so much commentary that um, he wants to explore in this movie. It's it's not like he's telling you anything. He really explores these things in this film. These kind of conflicting kind of um, I, I, ideals. Um, you, you like you have you have like. Um, Gibson and, and Vince Vaughn play these very despicable, corrupt police officers, and um, but you also see why they're doing that. You see because of the kind of um, gentrification within their neighborhoods and and the kind of um, the threats around them. It's a very, very scary world that Zala has built in this movie. And you kind of see that side, but you do also see the side where it's like, well, they fuck these guys. These guys are assholes, and they are, you know, they just trash, and they are really trash. They're trash people. I'm gonna say, I will say that. And they're kind of the trashy side of them, and the bad side of them is very well illustrated in the scene with the always great Don Johnson um, inside a police station, inside his offices. Really, really great scene inside that. Talking about that. Um. It, this this movie honestly it was it felt like the jungle it was just like this this kind of it felt like you're at the zoo and you're looking through the glass of an exhibit and this exhibit is like just wildlife and it's every man for themselves you've got lions you've got tigers you've got fucking drop bears <laughs> I don't know why he has drop airs, but I want to say lions a lot because there's a definitely, uh, you know, pertains to the song in this film is one of the original pieces written by Zala himself is called Street Corner Felines. And, um, I do see the, you know, the lion analogy and everything like that. There's actually a game called Shotgun Safari, which is also one of the songs in the movie written by Zala. There's a game in there as well that kind of explains that. And this, this is what it is, man. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not, it's... It's hard to. It's really hard to explain because it, you just you get so overwhelmed with trying to explain this um, world he's building. This this just just so this world that has got so many layers and so many characters that are just you're, they're out for something. They want to get something, but there's always things in their way. But they will do anything to get what the, to get what they desire. And. Like they would just go to extreme. These characters will go to extreme lengths to um, get what they want. I felt that with Gibson's character especially, and I got to give a shout out to Tory Kittles, who plays um, the kind of. He's kind of looked at as the antagonist because these guys are kind of our like very 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 uh, skewed protagonists. But because um, we do follow them quite a bit in this film, but Tory Kittles who plays Henry. He's kind of looked as like the. Uh, he's just there, but he's also. I think he's the most. He's the. I think he's he he's the most. Um, oh, what's the word? Oh, fuck! I'm trying to think of the word. But I can't. He doesn't do um, the worst shit possible. Like these characters do some shit in this movie. And um, he is probably the most tame character, even though he's just a gangster fresh out of prison. He feels he to me was kind of the, the kind of like a um, 
the no, I don't want to say nicest because he's not nice. He's just he he wants to get what he wants, but he just uh, I don't know. I can't find a word. I can't really think, but I'm because I'm fucking thinking too much. I can't think because I'm thinking too much. Yeah, that makes sense. My God. Um, I'd say redeemable. I'd say that redeemable. He's probably the most redeemable character in this film because he does what he needs to do to get things, but they're not as bad as what our protagonists have to, what protagonists do with their kind of, um, their intentions. Um, I gotta say, I loved the, um, I love the sound design as well in this film. It's, it's just phenomenal. Um, what I really, really liked about the sound design, I really want to get into this, I want to talk about this, um, without, without spoiling anything, of course, the sound design in this movie is 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 it's a it's honestly a character in itself it's so quiet but so present in the um in the film um especially especially at night um oh man oh man the th sounds at night i'm so used to seeing movies that want to play like kind of like a cool soundtrack when the car's going along at night I mean, you know, you, you can contrast with, like, the scenes from You Were Never Really Here when Joe's driving around and you can hear Johnny Greenwood's fucking excellent score in the background playing, um, uh, what's, I think it's like uh, Night City or City Nights or something like that is one of the songs and that that's what plays. Nights, uh, uh, what is it? Streets? Night Streets? Night Streets. Urban Streets. Something like that. <laughs> Anyway, that's one of the songs that plays while he's driving around. I just know it when I, I know when I hear it, and I know in the scene when he when he does it as well. Um, so that movie is fucking awesome, so good. If you haven't seen Never Really Here, it was in my top ten from last year. Um, Lynn Ramsey, holy shit, uh, one of the best, one of Joaquin Phoenix's best performances of his whole career. Anyway, got off topic. Uh, yeah, go watch that movie as well. It's so good. But there's just. Like you, you, get, you can get a score. You can get a score at night, and you can get kind of like a music, or or you can get like when characters are driving around or they're playing. There's so many movies where they're playing like a pop song or something like that, and they're driving around the city, and they're you know you get the helicopter shots and everything like that, and you get all the sound and everything that's very very loud, and and I've been I've noticed when I drive around at night that I. It's not that. Like, especially when you're driving around in early hours of the morning, it's... You can hear the kind of distant cars in the background. You can hear the gravel on, on the wheels when you're, when you're on the road, especially when you're going, I like to go to the beach and um, just look out to the, um, to the ocean at sometimes. And you can hear just... It's so... The night is a quiet thing when there's nothing there. It's so eerily quiet. And you can hear almost every sound that would come in, you know, within your vicinity at least. That like you can hear. I mean, you can hear if you have a car parked and you've got a window down. You can hear things in the bushes. You can hear maybe the wind hits the the metal on kind of like a um, like an uh, what do you call those fucking things? Uh, cell phone tower or something like that. You can hear the wind kind of it rattles a loose piece of metal or a branch falls out of a tree. When you're driving the car and you have no music on, usually I do have some music on, so I like to have been accompanied by that, but there is some times where I do turn the music down. 
and you hear the sounds underneath the car, the gravel underneath the feet, the rocks, the pebbles. That is what I fucking really loved about these night scenes. Um, it's so... Just, it's so different from what we see in film. It's so different from what we see and hear in, in film, especially during the night when you're working in big cities as well because this, this is, there is a big city in this film and, but when we're going on the outskirts, that's when the things change. That's when the contrast comes in. That's where the quiet sets in. And that's what is just, it just works so well to um, the film's no favorite. It doesn't have a musical score. It has the sound design. Um, and it has its two original songs, one at the beginning, one at the end. And I just, as well as I'd like a score, I love something different as well. And what Zala does with this movie just fucking hits me on the head, nails it. I fucking loved it. It was so fucking good. And um, the songs as well, they work well to the film's favor because they contribute to the themes that are explored in this film. Um, it's it's also beautiful looking. Uh, I love his wides, man. I love Zala's wides. Um, and I got to give it props to the um, the DOP in this film. Um, I had his name before, but I fucking lost it. Um, I lost the only IDB. Uh, where are you, Benji? Yeah, it's hard to say. Benji Bakshi, Bakshi, Benji Bakshi. Um, now I believe he's done all of Zala's films. Yes, he has. There we go. And, uh, man, he just fucking nails it. He nails it in this movie. Um, the, the framing, the composition. Oh, and then the lighting. Oh, my God, the lighting. It's just fucking gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's masterful. It's fucking beautiful. And the, and the shadows and the night scenes and the action scenes. You just get the... You have just one... You have one kind of scene where it's it's all silent. But it's it's no... There's no there's no music. Dun, 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 dun. There's no music and people running around fighting each other and punching each other in the face going, Fuck you, cunt! Or something like that. It's very quiet. You only get... The, the only sounds you get are the sounds of, like, either automatic pistols, like, machine guns and, and, and handguns and things like that. Um, I believe one of them is a Glock because um, Vince Vaughn talks... His character, um, Anthony, talks about having a Glock, and I think that's one of the guns in the movie. But there's your machine guns, pistols. You only get the sounds of them. The grunts of... Of um, you know, criminals when they go down, there's no yelling out to them. There's no pumping music, and it's just, oh, it's just fucking awesome. Oh, this movie's amazing. Um, it's, it's just, it's it's just Benji's just he's just fucking knocked it out. He's just done it. He's just fucking done it. He's knocked it out of the park. It's his best cinematography out of Zala's films. It's his best cinematography. The lighting's fucking gorgeous. And it just... The way Zal does action is just so good. And I, and I just went into a mad explanation of how that kind of... You know, everything kind of um, goes down. But I love when Zal like, immediately cuts to wide. You see every single bit of action in that wide. And I've got to give the, the stunt people in this movie... Even the actors that even try these scenes. I know that Vince did a lot of scenes in um, Brawl. In, in Cell Block. 
um, I just got to give it to the like the, the, the way they choreograph these scenes. Oh, man. It's so good. This is cinema. <laughs> it's so fucking good. But um, look, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's pretty long. It's it's two hours and forty minutes. It's nearly three hours. But I was because I think I think I'm not like I'm used to slow burns. But there are some slow burns that don't work for me. That because they don't have the content that I'm willing to stay for, and I get pretty impatient after if it doesn't deliver or entertain me at least within that kind of time frame. Um, I'm not going to you know, kind of stay engaged, but I'll tell you, man, I was never bored during this whole run of two hours and 40 minutes. I was never bored. I never felt the film drag at all because it's the chemistry between, um, uh, Gibson and Vaughn. It's the dialogue that comes out of their mouths and the, you know, the dialogue has a bit of dark, dark humor in them as well, but it's also got very, very serious tones. We're playing with a lot of themes here. Again, Zala, the way he's written this movie and the way he's built this world. Oh my God. And he's just, um, it's just, it's, it's honestly, it's my favorite of his so far. He's, he's, he's three for three, man. He's three for three with me. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. Um, and if you would ask me if you if I wanted to watch this movie right now, hell yes, put that fucking shit on. I would put it on. I know it's one o'clock in the morning, but we're staying up to three thirty to watch this shit again. Let's do it. I actually want to show this to the boys when I move in because <laughs> it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, man, you're not gonna find it. Look, you're not gonna find anything as brutal because if you're a fan of Zeller himself. You're not going to find anything as brutal as um, Cell Block or Bone Tomahawk. Especially Bone Tomahawk. Holy shit. But what you're going to find is such a quiet, moving beast of a film that has so much character and so much um, emotion. Like, so such conflicting themes, but they're not, again, they're not just said to you. They're explored in this movie. They're explored. You see both sides. It's a... It's a, it's a it's a perfect unbiased opinion on on today's society, and um, especially the darkest shit that's going down in today's society. Um, it's just it's a, it's one of, it's, it's it's his best. Please check it out. Um, I believe it's playing. Is it playing in theaters here? You can get it on VOD, I believe, right now on Amazon. Um, oh man, I would I'd buy it again. I really, really would. Um, you can go check it out right now. Um, and I cannot wait to see what Zala does next. Oh, man. Cannot wait to see what he does next. That's Dragged Across, dragged across Concrete. You gotta check that out. Alright. Now, you're probably thinking, Wow, you just gushed over that film like... Like an old fanboy. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's number two. What's number one? And number one, to me, is Jordan Peele's Us. Um, now, I can talk about this movie again for another, like, 15 minutes discussion about it, but I really want to actually think I want to do a spoiler talk with someone about it. So when it, when that finally comes out and we have a f couple more watches of it, I would love to do a spoiler talk, but, oh, my God, where do we start with Us? Um... 
Where do, where, where do I start? I'll, I'll give you the plot first. How about that? It's written and directed by Jordan Peele, who we know, you know, we gave it gave us Get Out, a brilliant film, even better on second watch, in my opinion. Well, the second watch, way more great performances from um, uh, from um, oh, I've just completely blanked on his name, Daniel Kaluuya, Alison Williams, oh, my God, um, Catherine Keener, Bradley Whitford. I mean, just great. And then you got your beautiful fucking... Um, comic relief, sorry. Side relief. I just blanked there. Holy shit. You got your side relief of um, fucking um, Rod. Or Rod. I think it's Rod. Rod from the TSA. Um, but then you probably... So you watched Get Out, and then I was like, wow. And then he announced Us, and then he released that trailer in Christmas, and I'm like, holy shit, we're getting something here. And boy, did we get something. Um, I I want to say I loved it. I really, really liked it. There's there are some problems that I have with it and there's some questions that are not answered that I'm not, you know, kind of just like, oh, I really wouldn't want that answered. And there's some questions about, there's also some questions about it being more ambiguous. It's very conflicting. I'll get to it in a second. But I really had a, I had such a really good time with us. And it's, it's one of the best, it's one of the best horror movies I've seen in a while. Um... And I don't watch much horror. I'm trying to get into horror. I am. I'm really trying, guys. <laughs> like I didn't see La La Rona this week, or I didn't see Pet Cemetery because I wasn't. I didn't think I was ready for it. And plus, I'll save my money for Endgame, guys. I got fucking tickets to Endgame, Dolby V Max. Hello, tomorrow night. Um. But oh my god, this movie is. I just. Just the amount of detail in this movie, he just puts in it is just so so great, and I would love to talk about that more in a um, in a um, kind of like a spoiler talk review. So, what is what's it about? It's about the Wilson family. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o plays Adelaide, and um, she and her husband, played by just brilliantly played by Winston Duke, um, they got two kids. And they go to a kind of like a getaway home and they meet, um, they kind of like hang out with um, their kind of their, I'll say their white friends, um, played by um, Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker. And um, great as well. Tim Heidecker, great in this movie. So is Elizabeth Moss. I mean, she has a great, one of my favorite scenes in this movie, Elizabeth Moss has. Um... They go there. They they go there. They go there, and uh, one night they are approached by what look like their doubles, and their doubles kind of terrorize their lives and terrorize their little vacation, and shit goes fuckaroo. <laughs> now, I want to start off by saying Lupita Nyong'o is fucking incredible in this movie. Um, she is amazing as both. Adelaide, she's played like all characters, all actors here have to play two roles of each other. They've got to play the good side of themselves and then what is what is called the tethered side of themselves. And then Lupita Nyongo is fucking phenomenal as Adelaide and Red, her tethered character. Um, I want to talk about like the voice and everything um, that she does in, all, in this film in a spoiler talk. I want to get all, all that together. We'll get some notes together. I might do that again with Jake, my good friend Jacob Richards that we talked about Glass with. But I'll do that more down the road because there's a lot of things to really dive into this movie without... You don't want to spoil everything, but I just want to say... Lupita Nyong'o is great. 
um, <clears throat> Winston Duke is fucking hilarious. This movie is f funny. I think it's funnier than Get Out. There's a lot more jokes than Get Out, and they just work so well. Peel just weaves the humor so well into these horrific what like this this film that is just filled with scenes of horror but the the the, the comedy doesn't just the comedy doesn't take you out of the movie it just gels so well with the the, the scariness of it all and he just does it so well he writes it so so well um it, 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 I'd say it's more of a thriller more than a horror. I'd say, um, especially in the, in the last half of the movie, um, I will say I liked the first half better than the second half. Um, the second half again, uh, I'll get to my pros, um, con, uh, my con in a minute because I got one big con that I just wasn't a fan of. But um, I did like the first half. I love the score again. We're talking about scores again. Um, we're going from no score um, to one of the best scores of the year, I think, in my opinion. Um, um, uh, fucking done by, um, I want to say his name, but I keep forgetting. Oh, I keep forgetting people's names. I think I've got it saved, I think. Michael Abels? Yeah, it is. Uh, Michael Abels. Just knocks it out of the park with his fucking score. Um, I want, pay attention to the tracks. Um... Pas de do, pas de do, pas de do. Um, I got five on its tethered mix is really really good. I love the way he put that song into the film. Um, and uh, anthem, which is the opening kind of song, and it kind of plays along throughout the movie as well. But the such simple but elegant opening credits and so effective. Just, oh, I just love the open. I just love the opening credits. Um, just it was just so. This film is just peppered with so much detail, and there's just so much care given to Peel, um, by Peel to this to this film. It really is a really good. It's a good follow to Get Out. I would say that Get Out as a film is better. Now I've only seen Us once. I've seen Get Out probably about four or five times. Um, but I, as of now, I will say that Get Out is a better film. But I want to watch Us again, and I think I would watch Us more just because of what's in it. And it's just, I think it's a bit more, even though Get Out being a bit more straightforward of a story, but still being very effective, and the themes in that movie being very, very effective, um, I think that, I think I'll watch this movie more, and I will say it's a bit more entertaining, because there's a lot more stuff going on, and just the little intricacies and details that um, Peel has peppered throughout this movie, it just blows my fucking mind. Just blows my mind. It works so well as a horror. There's, you don't, there's a, I will say there's probably about two jump scares. I'd say about two jump scares. But he doesn't, I love that he just doesn't rely on that. He relies on the creepiness and the, the shadows that are going on for this movie of just like, uh, the doubles and everything like that. Um, shadows being a very big part of the, um, what the tethered are to our kind of surface world. Um, they are, you know, they, uh, what do I want to say, uh, they, you know, they, they, there's a, there's a story involving show, I'll say that, there's a, because I don't, I don't want to spoil it, because I was just, I was, I knew I was getting very close to spoiling it then, and I think I have already, but, a little bit, but I haven't, I don't want to get fully into it, but there's a story involving shadows that I found really, really cool, 
And that is not the bit that I want to talk about that kind of fucked me over with the um, explanation and everything like that. But I will say it works very well as a horror. It's scary. It's kind of... I, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. It didn't scare me that much. There's one jump scare that really fucking got me and has an owl in it. Fucking hated that jump scare because it was just shit. <laughs> I just knew. I was like, fuck you. Um, but the performances are great. Um, the horror is good. The score is fantastic. The costumes are great. Blah, 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 blah. The themes are explored, though. Explored? Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a really, really great film. Definitely about the class system. Um, I do, th I do think it's more, I'd say more about the class system and false charity, um, that were kind of, I wouldn't say false, I'd just say, I would say ineffective, ineffective charity that he's kind of playing at here. And again, all of this stuff, and it, it just goes back to spoilers. I'm um, definitely the stuff about poverty, homeless people, um, and a very, and also a kind of, um, looking at duality within ourselves and, and what, if we do possess that kind of evil, and there are some people that do possess that kind of evil, there's also others that don't, but there are definitely within most humans, because we're all flawed, we've got two sides to ourselves and there are things that we will do again, going back to drag across concrete, there are things that we would do. To do to to get something that we want, and um, I truly believe that. I truly believe that we would do, or there are some. There are just we would just do some crazy things, just some crazy, crazy things. You know, people talk about taking bullets for this, bullets for that, jumping on a grenade, and but at the end of the day, would you? Would you do it? Would you do it, or would you try and do something else? Would, maybe you would, um, this is probably one of my uh, most extensive tangents <laughs> that we've been on, on this podcast, but let's say you would say, oh, I will take a bullet for you. When that time comes, will you do it? Bigger question within that. Do you possess that kind of good? That you, that you are trying to tell that person that you love. Are you, do you possess that kind of good? Is there evil in you? Is there a side that wants to see things play out differently? Um, I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> am I tired? I think I am. But again, it's just so hard to explain because I want to talk about all these fucking details. I want to talk about all these themes and everything like that. It's so hard to get into without, without spoilers. But I will say one thing I didn't like about this movie is it's everything's kind of explained to us, explained to us kind of in the end. And I just think I just think there should have been a bit more ambiguity to that. Um, and I, I just didn't. I, I just thought that we could probably answer those questions ourselves. It's funny where he. In Get Out, it wasn't much. It wasn't so explained to us, and he was just like, "Oh, he's actually treating us, you know, as intellectuals." Whereas in this film, you we kind of get the intellectual bit, like, and then he, then he goes in and says, "No, this is what this means, and this is what that means." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, I get it. I know." It felt like I was watching Mother at times when he was just. 
But I, I, no, okay, look, I'm not going to say it's as bad as Marva getting the fucking, you know, hammer beaten out of her heads and everything like that. I'm not going to say it's as bad as Marva, but um, I will say I didn't, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I would have, exp- I would appreciate a bit more ambiguity at the end there, so I could work it out for yourselves and kind of, you know, make up my own interpretation of it all. Um, but that's about it. I fucking loved it. Um, it's, it's, it is my favorite movie of the year. And again, you're probably thinking, you, Drag Across Concrete, you talked about that, you gushed about this motherfucker. You would put that first. You would try and put that first. Well, no, I liked Us more. I think I liked Us more. Because Us is not two hours and 40 minutes. And, and it just has a lot more, it's got a lot more um, details in it. And it has a lot of stuff that are just really, really, really worth talking about. I'm not saying they dragged across concrete. You can't really have a conversation about. But I've had a lot, a few conversations already about us and what's in it. I know some people that don't like it. I want to explore why they don't like it. And it's always good to have these conversations. Again, I love movies that ins- like inspire discussion. And this is what us does. It definitely does inspire discussion among anyone that you're with. Um, but but again that's why it's my number one and I want to get into more of why it is but again it'll just have to be spoilers it'll, it'll have to be spoilers and I'll have to talk about it in a spoiler talk so in that spoiler talk you'll I'll probably explain why and everything like that I just appreciate everything he's really done for us and all that stuff I think I really look up to Peel as a writer definitely as well um, really really inspires me as a writer and what he what he does and the all of the details he puts into his films because then you know that just just how far he's come he's he, he was he was making sketches of his best mate he started the mad tv and he started making sketches of his best mate key and pill one of the best comedy shows ever um sketch shows ever and now he's making like some of the best horror we've ever seen and this is what people want to replicate we're talking about a new fucking, um, you know, we, we can tell he's definitely inspired by films like Wes Craven, Stephen King, um, not, not saying Stephen King's a director, but like, you know, his work or something like that. He is, he's kind of like James Wan, but like more kind of, he's, I'd say he's like kind of more independent. Like James Wan's definitely breaching into those, Conjuring Universe right now, he's going into those kind of blockbuster kind of franchise thing. And I think Jordan Peele is on like on the side of like the independent side still, but he will branch into, he will break into. I mean, I know that Us was very much more, um, you know, widely seen, and so was you know Get Out was quite quite widely seen as well. But it was kind of like a little film, very low budget film. Um, I think four million dollars. Us being a bigger film, but I still think that like, pe- not many people are seeing it as well, even though it's made its money and that and it made a lot of money. It still wasn't seen by a lot of people that I know as well. And I really need them to see it because, again, I, I'll just say it again. Peel is writing and directing some of the best horror um, of the of the fucking, of the current decade. We'll say that. Um, this is what people want to be. This These films will be talked about soon. These will films will be taught. All these techniques. Everything. It's shot well as well. Did I mention that? It's fucking shot beautifully. And there's a shot in this movie that made me... Oh, God. I, I want to talk about this shot. I want to talk about this shot. Oh, I can't. I can't talk about it. Spoilers. 
Anyway, there's a shot in this movie that just made me be like, how? What? What? Magic? And that was, that was my thoughts that literally went through my head. That was the thoughts that went through my head. And it's not CGI, I don't think. I don't think it's CGI. I think it was really, it was, it was actually done. Um, and constructed like that. And those were literally the thoughts that went through my head. The three-fourths was what, why, magic? Question mark. Big fucking question mark. Um, so that's it. Those are my films. Um, those are the six films I want to talk about. Um, oh man, we reached an hour and twelve here. I've still got two TV shows to talk about. Okay, very quickly running through these TV shows because I, I want to. I need. I still want to talk about these. Very quickly running through these. I want to start off by talking about Love, Death, and Robots. This you got to see this fucking shit. You got to see it now. Um, this has about 18 episodes, um, some are 15 minutes, some are 12 minutes, some are 6 minutes, some are 8 minutes, and they're all done by different animation studios, uh, studios. It's all brought together by Tim Miller, who did, um, Deadpool, um, 1, because he started Blur, uh, animation studio started, um, called Blur. It's produced by David Fincher, and it's fucking awesome. It's just so fucking cool. It's so, just weird and... Ah, love it. Fucking love it. Um, some really, really great stuff. The animation is phenomenal um, at times. It's very different. You can see where the animation is different from each other and what, and what companies are going for different things and different themes and ideas. Um, there are a lot of episodes that kind of hit on kind of existentialism and um, philosophy and that really, really dug into me, especially because I love themes of existentialism and philosophy. Those are kind of the big ones for me. Um, but there's just there's just some really entertaining stuff as well, very funny stuff. Um, and this series was just fucking awesome. It was just awesome. It was that is the word to use, awesome. It's so weird and bizarre, but so fucking unique and special at the same time. And it's on Netflix. Go fucking check it out. It's just it's so good. It's just so good. But it's not for the kids. I mean, I'll say it's animation. It's not for the kids. Um, I definitely slapped the old R18 Plus on that one. Because, uh, oh boy. <laughs> not for the kids. It's got, I mean, it's love different robots. It's got sex, violence, and machines. Sometimes fucking. So I'll say that. A lot of violence, a lot of sex, and a lot of robots. So, there it is. Love Different Robots. Big recommendation for that one. You gotta go check that on Netflix right the fuck now. It's it's so fucking good. You can easily get through that in the night, I think. You can easily get through that in the night. I got through that in the night. That was It was so easy to get through. The second film, the second TV series I want to talk about is something I've been sleeping on. It's something I've been sleeping on. I'll say it. I've, it's, I've been sleeping on it for a while. Um, it is... I want to talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, this is some of the best comedy I've ever seen on television. Um, it's, the writing is amazing. It is so clever. It's so, so self-aware at times as well. And it's just, it's just breaking through so many barriers that I just thought that, you know, I just haven't seen an approach. It's not afraid to go to places though. you're just like, holy shit, they're doing that? 
Because they do it. I will say it. They do it. The first episode is literally called The Gang Gets Racist. Or something. The Gang is Racist. Something like that. Because I remember I watched the first four seasons a couple of years ago. And I just never got around to it. Just because how busy I was. And then I just forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks ago. I watched from season 5 to 13. I'm up to date now. And my god. This was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Uh, these characters are. If you don't know what it's about. It's, you know, it's about these characters and they own a bar in Philadelphia called Patty's. And these characters are the worst people you could possibly imagine. They are some of the most irredeemable scumbags, bottom of the earth cunts that you can think of. Um, I wouldn't say the character of Charlie played just so brilliantly by Charlie, um, Charlie Day. It's just, it's so... I wouldn't say he's so dumb. He does some really questionable stuff, but I'd say he's kind of he's kind of like he's kind of uh, intelligence kind of comes into it because he's a bit of a he's played a bit of a stupid character. He's kind of illiterate as well. But you've got like characters like Dennis played brilliantly by uh, Glenn Howerton, uh, Mac played by Rob McElhenney, uh Danny DeVito playing Frank, and um, Caitlin Olsen playing Dee. And you got these really great side characters as well. Um, uh, the waitress, especially um, played by um, Charlie Day's wife in real life, actually. That's a, that's a little fact for you there, a little fun fact. That's his wife in real life. So the, the waitress is his actual wife. And they've got two kids, I think. One kid. One kid, I think. And um, these people, like these people that own the bar, Patties, um, they just get up to the most outrageous shit you can think of. And um, each episode... There are a few fillers, but they're still fun. I will say they're fun. There are no episodes I think that I would just like skip. I think if I watch it again, I would probably think of it. But I watched all these episodes and I was like, I don't think I'd skip any of those because I was so fucking funny. All of them were so funny. Uh, I've got, I definitely have some favorites, um, and they really cross some lines, man. They really cross some lines that you are just not going to be ready for. <laughs> like we're talking. Nah, I'm not even. Oh no, nah, I'll say. I'll say, there is. I mean, we're talking about. We're talking about uh, racism, uh, homophobia, uh, terrorism, blood, violence, sex, rape. Everything is joked about on this show. Everything is joked about. There is no limits to what these characters will joke about, and what these situations that the writers choose to. Mainly, mostly always written by uh, McKellany and Howerton. Um, really want to get up to because they're created by McKellany. Um, it's said there's some shit. There is outrageous, outrageous fucking shit in this in this show, but it's just so. It, it's hilarious because it's it's what's happening to these characters. It's happening to these characters. It's their ideals. I never find it offensive. It's, it could easily, easily be found offensive by, you know, the, the people out there that love to be offended by things and have nothing better to do. And I will, I will see it getting... They will be offended by it. They will definitely be offended by it. But it works because it's playing kind of... It's like fodder for these characters. They're, they're so ridiculous that you cannot believe that these people probably could exist. But they're, you know, they're fictional and they go through... 
it's just you don't really even if they go through pain you don't really care what happens to them because you're like well you kind of deserve that because what you said that last episode about that kind of person or that what you did to that person last episode because the the shit that these characters also do to each other is also just fucked <laughs> that's the word <laughs> It's just, it's so, it's so fucked. Um, I'm just trying to think of shows that you would like if you want to watch it. Um, if you just want to laugh your ass off, uh, this is the show to watch. I cannot believe I watched, I slept on it for so long, but I'm also glad I watched it now because I could appreciate it more, I think. Because uh, I've watched it back then, I would have been like, oh, what is, you know... I, you know, your brain kind of mature, matures over the years, and then, like, especially doing, um, you know, being at film school and everything like that, kind of get into the writing process of it all and everything, I, and, and analyzing and all that. I'm really glad I watched it now. Um, the season 13 finale made me very, very close to tears. I could not believe the show went there and actually achieved that, in my opinion. Um, it's a just a beautiful, beautiful thing that last that finale, that season 13 finale. Um, look, I wouldn't put it across my, across my favorite episodes, but that definitely is something that I never thought they would do, and they just fucking nailed it. And it was such a, just such a beautiful, just, just beautiful episode about a certain character, and um, their kind of, their, the kind of journey they've been on, and their, and another character's realization, I'll say that. And it's just so well done. You can't believe that the show that makes fun of everyone and everything has done it, but they did it. They they made a finale probably last year that people saw and probably like, holy shit. Uh, I think it was, was it this year, I think? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They did that? And, um, you know, the, it's so glad. I'm so glad they got picked up for season 14, even though I've only just started watching it now. I'm in it. I'm amongst it. I love it. I love the show. I'll probably rewatch it before season 14. Um, but it's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen on television. And it's one of the best comedy shows that I've ever seen. It's very, 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 very funny. But also, very, 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 very offensive show. But... It works well to its favor because that's what it's that's what it does. This is what these characters are. They are the worst people on the earth. I, I truly believe those characters are irredeemable, especially Dennis, uh, the character of Dennis. Whoa, boy! Um, if that person exists, I would never want to meet them. <laughs> I'll say that right now. I'll never want to meet them. So that's it. We're hitting an hour twenty-two. I'm going a bit overboard. I know. So that's it. That's your everything I watched in March. Um, check out those top three movies. I think Captain Marvel still playing. You can go and check that out before Endgame comes out tomorrow. Uh, or today, I should say, because it's half past one in the fucking morning. But um, do big recommendations from me on those TV shows. Big recommendations on those TV shows. Always Sunny's been going since 2005. And um, it's still going strong. And Love, Death, and Robots is a nice, quick... You can get through that in the night. Honestly, you can get through that in the night and just appreciate the amount of effort and um, determination that the, these animators have put in there and the story they've put in. And, you know, like, I cared about it. some of these fucking animated characters. These characters were drawn and I cared about them. Because it just goes to sh the directing and the writing of these... Of some of these um, episodes in this, in this show. Brilliant stuff. 
Just brilliant stuff. Two big animation TV shows there. Check out those movies. Check out Drag Across Concrete. You can grab it on Amazon right now, I believe, for like five bucks to rent it. Please watch it. Us, is, I think, is still playing. Go check out Us. And, um... Go and pick up The Guest. The Guest is great. Great stuff. Before I go... Guys, we got to talk about Game of Thrones. Because people are going to die next week. <laughs> like, they're going to die, honestly. Um, you know, we, we, had a, we had a two year break from 2016 when, the, when season seven came out. And it was an okay season. It wasn't. There were some things that happened. Episode four was a fucking amazing. Um, episode four was actually quite amazing. Um, the, um, the loot train attack one. That was just some great shit. Um, beautifully directed by Matt Shackman. Who, by the way, directs so, uh, a lot of episodes in Always Sunny Philadelphia. So, there you go. Um, and, yeah, it was it was kind of... People will say, like, the writing's a bit shit, but I don't really... I would say it's one of its weakest, but I wouldn't say it's, like, bad. I wouldn't say it's bad. And, and I, the transformation I kind of got, because we've got to get to the end. Like, it's, it's coming to an end. Tabani often wise want to finish it, so... It's coming to an end, and this is why we've only got six episodes in season eight. And but, however, they are kind of extended, very, very long episodes that we're going to get. So we've waited two years for this, and episode one was really, really good. Um, I believe it was called Winterfell or something. It was very simple, something like Winterfell. Um, and that was like that was a really, really good episode because uh, it just had just just nice table setting, characters getting together, characters meeting up, characters. Having reunions, but we're all preparing for the war against the White Walkers and the Night King. Um, Bran's still been a creepy fuck. I don't know who's wheeling him around, but uh, he's getting to places and staring at people and really creeping them out and creeping me out as well. Um, Isaac Hempstead doing a great job there, just creeping everyone out. Um, and then we got episode two last night, which is also, which is honestly, episode two to me, I think, is. Because people are saying like last week's was one episode, one of the best episodes of the season, uh, one of the season, even one of the series. I'm gonna say episode two of season eight was one of the best episodes of the series. Um, some really great writing again. We had really great writing in the first episode. Some really great writing again in this episode. Uh, more fantastic lines coming from Tormund. Um, my favorite one, of of course, is 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 the big woman still here. Uh, that was my favorite line from him. Uh, and then you got the giant's milk wine. You got the night you ever sit in ten times. Um, he just has so many great lines. Tormund has so many great lines, but it's also a really great line spoken by characters that we you know, we know and love: Jon Snow, Arya Stark, Daenerys Targaryen. Sansa Stark even has come a l such a long way. You've, we've seen these characters just grow and change over this. One of the best arcs of the whole series is Jaime Lannister. Just turning into a man, you know, a man that's always defined by honor. He was still defined by honor, but now he he has he knows there's a bigger cause because he's fighting for the. He says in this episode, "I intend to fight for the living, and I intend to keep that promise." I fight for the living, and I intend to keep that promise. I believe he said. I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. I think. And he will fight now because the 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 the, the undead are coming, and Cersei don't give a shit. Cersei and Kyburn are just fucking chilling in King's Landing. 
with um you know with the mountain and Euron and the fucking Golden Company, and they're just um they're gonna wait. They're just gonna wait till the White Walkers take out Winterfell in the next episode. Uh, they're gonna take out. They're gonna wait till they take him out, and they're just gonna go from there. She thinks she's gonna. She thinks that she will could win. She's not gonna get involved in this. She didn't want to help him. Um, so very brave on her. Didn't get her elephants either. So she's pretty pissed about that. Um, and we got Bronn as well coming from King's Landing to be tasked with killing Tyrion and Jaime. Um, Cersei wants her to kill him to kill Tyrion and Jaime. And if you notice that that bow is the same bow that Tyrion killed Tywin with and also that Joffrey killed um the fucking hookers with when he had those there the um the uh the, the prostitutes that he had in his bedroom and he just and he killed uh Roz I believe her name was Roz and killed Roz in the beginning it's the same bow same bow so a lot of table setting has been going on and I, I just I just shut up about just I hate I just I don't hate but like just shut the... F the people that just, like, are saying, like, there's nothing happening in this episode, just shut the fuck up. This is what you need to do. We know that the battle's coming in episode three. Um, well, if, if you were, like, more... In, um, if you wanted to inquire about it before the series started and you want to see what was happening, it was always going to be... A battle was going to be coming. A battle was going to come. But you've got to do some table setting. We've got to get some more moments, some final moments with these characters that we've seen for, uh, um... Uh, let's say... Uh, uh, t uh, 10 years, 11 years? When, when did Game of Thrones start? 2009, wasn't it? Did they start 2010? Nine years, right? I think they started in 2010 or 2011. Eight years. I think it's eight years! <laughs> yeah, it's 2011. Okay, fuck it, Al. Alright. <laughs> My bad. Um, eight years of growing up with these characters. Um... I mean, I started watching from season two onwards, and that's when I started watching. Um, because I remember I watched, I got season one and season two off a friend, and then it was season three was going to premiere in like a few more months. So I've been watching since then, and um, it's been just, it's these characters that I've, you've, we've just, we've kind of just grew with over eight years and seen change seen so many things happen to them over eight years how long Sansa how far Sansa has come how far um, Daenerys has come how far Jamie has come how far Brienne has come I mean the moment when he knighted Brienne in this episode made me fucking cry it is a beautiful beautiful episode um, this one um, appropriately titled The Night of the Seven Kingdoms uh, because Brienne of Tarth gets knighted and becomes Sir Brienne. It's fucking beautiful. And some of my Bowmans, some of my best moments, sorry, Bowmans, you could call them Bowmans, um, were around the fire. Were around that fire. Um, they were definitely some of the best moments in the whole the whole episode. And um, it's just sad, dude. It's sad because so many people are going to die next week because we all know that next week is going to be the battle for Winterfell. And, um, the dead are coming, man. They're coming. They're coming to get you. 
Um, I did a little bit of digging in this episode as well, and... Sorry, excuse me. Uh, I did a little bit of digging, and I found... <clears throat> How did they get? <laughs> I found that the director... Um, I don't want to fuck this guy's name up, because he's actually done... He did Battle of the Bastards, I believe. Um, I'm going to go back to INDB for a second, so just bear with me for a second. Come on, don't fuck me, come on. Oh, internet's been a bit fucky at the moment. Come on, come on, come on. There we go. If you coax it, it just it just happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. Okay. I'm going to try and pronounce this guy's name. Miguel Sapachinik. 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 Holy fuck, I'm sorry, sir. Miguel Sapochnik. 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 Miguel Sapochnik. That's a fucking name right there. Um. <laughs> Miguel Sapochnik. Uh, he directed Battle of the Bastards, which is one of the best episodes. We can all agree that one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones history. Um, and one of the best battles we've seen on, you know, in fictional storytelling. It's incredible, and he has gone on to say, um, and both Benioff and Weiss, the who have directed, who uh, have written this episode, has said that this is going to be the longest battle we have seen in TV and cinema history, and one of the biggest battles. Um, Sapochnik even direct, um, even he he was going on to say that he actually looked up um, more, um, you know. Sorry, I got something in my eye. He wanted to find the longer battle sequence, and he couldn't find one. And he, when they, because when, when they put it together, he was just like, "We need to find a longer one, I guess." And then they found the longest one, which is the forty-minute battle of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers, um, which is one of the best, hands down, one of the best battles in fucking cinema history. Probably the the, the best battle in cinema history. And probably in fictional storytelling as well, and I'd say that a battle of the bastards. Well, but then you got the battle of the return of the king as well, which is pretty good. Um, battle of the bastards is easily top five. I'll say that. But Helm's Deep is my favorite battle in um, fictional storytelling, and it's such a just a brilliant sequence that has so many parts to it that have to. You know that you you can, you can pay attention to. You can look at that and be like, okay, so they had to do that to do that. Okay, right, yep, yep. Brilliant. It's brilliantly constructed. So I was kind of digging a little bit, um, digging a little, and I found that they, this one's going to be longer than forty minutes in an episode that's going to be in an hour and twenty-two minutes long. Um, we're going to get a big, big fucking battle sequence. More than 40 minutes of those hour and 22 is going to be nothing but battle. And it's going to be the battle for Winterfell. And I cannot fucking wait. Oh, I'm so pumped. Um, it is the longest Game of Thrones episode so far as well. Clocking in at hour and, 20, hour and 22 minutes at 82 minutes. And I believe the episodes after this are kind of the same length. I think as well. Um, 
I think four because the first two are about 55 52 minutes long yeah episode four is one hour and 18 minutes and then episode five is one hour and 20 minutes and then episode six I reckon episode five is going to be another battle and another episode six is going to be an hour and 20 minutes as well so these longer episodes are going to give way much more storytelling in it and Benioff and Weiss knew that they were going to, you know, end. Had to make this series short, um, this season shorter because of the budget. They this is what they this is what they said anyway. They knew they had to make it shorter because of the budget that they would have to ask of HBO to give them, and um, especially to make what they think is going to be the longest and big biggest battle in fictional storytelling history, in the history of cinema and television. Um, television and cinema, sorry. And I just fucking can't wait to see it. There are so many people gonna, gonna just gonna bite that dust. Um, see you later, Theon. He's gone. He's a fucking goner. Um, I think it's going to be okay. All right. Let me let me get me let me just let me let me get me Deadpool out for a second. This is the segment of the, of the podcast where we just gush about Game of Thrones because it's fucking amazing. Um. Okay. Let's just. Where's me Deadpool? I'm gonna find me Deadpool. There it is. Alright. So my Deadpool for next 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 episode, I reckon it's gonna be Theon, Jorah, Grey Worm, Davos, Beric, the Hound, Tormund, and Ed. We're gonna lose all those people, I think. Um we, you know, we, Davos could survive, we never know. Uh, but I think just the way when he when that they did that scene and he saw um Oh, I also think Gendry's going to go. Gendry's going to go as well. He's gone. Um, when we saw that scene where he saw that um, little girl that, that looked a lot like Shireen Baratheon, um, especially with the, the scar on her face and everything like that, there's something going to happen to Davos, I think. I think we might... Because when you see some good in Game of Thrones, there's always bad following it. So, there you go. Um, I, I think Ray Worm's gone. That kiss to Masande was definitely the kiss goodbye. Uh, we might even see Masande die as well. We could see Varys die. Uh, we could see Podrick die. We could see even Jamie die. But I would like... I would, actually, I would like Jamie to survive because I want Jamie to kill Cersei. I don't want Tyrion to kill Cersei because I think he had, you know, had, he had his... When he killed his father, he had his little moment when he killed his father. I want Jamie. I want, I want the lover to kill his lover. I want Jamie to kill Cersei. And now I even think that Jamie and Brienne have something. So, sorry, Tormund. Um, I, I actually think that Jamie and Brienne have something. But again, love is not going to last when the bloody fucking White Walkers are here. So that's my kind of like theorizing what's going on. And uh, guess what? And guess what? Here's something else. <laughs> Here's something else. I think Melisandre is going to come back. I do. I really, really do. Because before she left, she said to Varys, I'm going to come, I will die in Westeros. And because, you know, because she was, she was going to go, she got banished to Volantis, right? So, so that's where, you know, that's where she had to go. I believe she's going to go to Volantis. She's going to get some kind of red priest or people of Lord of the Light. Um, people like worship the Lord of Light. She, but she said to Varys, I'm going to die in Westeros. I will die in Westeros. And I believe... There's, there's been some interviews as well. I, well. Something fishy to me was there's some interviews with Carice Van Houten, who is who plays Melisandre, the Red Woman. Um, you know, people know her, the Red Woman, the Red Witch. 
But I'm Alessandro. There were some interviews of her before the series, like around before the series was starting to get the trailers were coming out and everything like that. There were some interviews with her, some questions were asked. I think she's coming back, guys. I think she's going to play some sort of role in the Battle of Winterfell. And um, she could even come back in episode four. I mean, but I think she's going to come... I reckon there's going to be kind of like a Knights of the Vale situation, you know, in the Battle of Bastards, where you think that um, the North is losing and then the Knights of the Vale come with Sansa and Littlefinger and they come and fuck them all up. And that's how the North beats Ramsay and the, um, Bolt, the Boltons. The Boltons? The Boltons. Um, I think there's kind of... Something's going something's to happen there. Like, there's going to be some kind of, like, close kind of... Uh, uh, defeat. I think we're going to see some kind of like everyone's going to be like, oh fuck, we're very close to losing. We're going to die. We're going to die. People will probably will die. Um, there's no doubt about that. People are going to die next week. But there's going to be something that's going to happen. They're going to lose it. They're going to start losing it very, very badly. And then I think Melisandre is going to pop up in like those last minutes and something's going to happen. I just have a gut feeling, guys. I've got a gut feeling that Melisandre is coming back. We have, we have not seen the last of the Red Woman. Um, and by the way, fuck you to the people who thought the RSM was shit. Thought it was great. She was so awesome. Um, even though she is kind of, she's never experienced this thing before. Like she was so dominant, so in charge. I fucking loved it. And um, it was just so tastefully done. I think it was. I didn't care if we didn't need to see it. I think she deserves her time. Like, she, she said, like, I want to know what it's like before I die. And we get it. And we get it. And I think it's very well tastefully done. I didn't think it was very... I didn't think it, I didn't think it was gratuitous at all. I thought it was just beautifully done. And I liked that scene a lot. Um, so, there's my two cents on it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm going to shut the fuck up now. We're hitting about 40. Hour of 40. I'm getting, I'm getting rubby-eyed. And I want to watch something else. So... Guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and and uh, you know I'm back after quite a long break, but I will I will say that I will be here again either on Thursday or Friday or next week talking about Endgame because tomorrow night or tonight I should say at nine fifteen I'm going to see Avengers Endgame on big VMAX screen and beautiful Dolby surround sound systems. Um, and I can not wait. Those three hours are going to kick my ass. I don't want to hype myself up too much for it, but I'm just pumped, and pumped, 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 pumped. I've only seen the first two trailers. I don't watch any clips or anything like that because that was it. That's all I needed. I was like, I'm fucking seeing this movie anyway. You got my money anyway, Disney. You greedy cunts. So, you know, very, very excited. Can't wait to see it. You'll probably get a rid talking about it next week. I might have been doing a spoiler cast like I did with Infinity War last year. But, excited to talk about that. It's great to be back on the podcast talking to you guys again, talking to you guys about movies that I want you to see, movies that people are missing out on. you got to see these movies. Because um, if, you, if you're disappointed about the blockbusters, you come right here and I tell you about the movies you guys see. You don't want to waste your time with these ones. Have a great week, guys. Stay safe, and I will talk to you next time.